Hey, my name is Eric. Whoa, whoa. Okay, let's let's pause for a second. If anybody's just listening to the audio and not seeing the video, I have a bump on my head. And my co-host had made mention to this. So I want to make sure that everybody is focusing on what we're doing today and the topic that we're discussing and not just focusing on this thing that's on my face. All right, you guys ready? Let's start up again. Hey, my name is Eric McCoy, and this is Walk a Mile in My Shoes, and this is the show of controversy, right? And we're going to bring an <laughs> understanding behind hate we're able to. And as always, I am with Lona Curry. That's right. That's right. I'm the transgender mentor. I am Lona Curry, and I'm as always grateful to be here with my good friend, Eric McCoy, our beautiful co-host, Morella McCoy, for a subject that we're going to tackle today and really walk both sides. Like, I think we can walk a mile in every shoe, almost every shoe, um, in this situation. So I'm really looking forward to being here with both of you today and, and looking at this. Yes, and we have, again, a very special, very beautiful, and the better part of my marriage, Morella McCoy. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I'm glad to be here. Super excited to join in on this conversation that we're going to have. And um, let's get started. Let's talk about this. Yeah, I thought it would be very good to have her on her show as, you know, as we we talk about today's topic, which is probably one of the most controversial topics today and has been for a very long time. And we're talking about abortions. You know, Morella works for probably one of the most hated organizations, Planned Parenthood. And we are going to try and make sense of the arguments on both sides of this issues. Now, you know, I'm not pro-abortion, as some people like to say, which I don't really It's not even in existence. It's not in existence. Yeah, I don't really believe anybody is. And, you know, I agree with certain aspects of pro-life and pro-choice with Probably my greatest issue with pro-choice being those that use abortion is birth control. Yeah. Now, just as always, I want to begin with confusion (laughs) and possibly hypocrisy for political reasons. Okay, take a look at this. This session, we need a law that ensures that the life of every child will be spared from the ravages of abortion. Uh, Listen, I've made it very clear. Uh, This is an issue of parental choice uh, and will not be an issue of mandates, Uh, especially for those who've already received a COVID shot. There's absolutely uh, no proven reason for them uh, to be required to wear a mask for one, but for another, uh, again, uh, there will be no mandates in Texas schools about wearing masks. But as always, uh, the, the people who are most responsible for the health of their children are the parents and the parents have the right uh, to make sure that uh, they will get to make the choice about whether or not their child will be wearing a mask in school. Okay. Now, I, I like that video because that definitely is a controversial aspect, you know, that we're like, you know, we need to get rid of abortion. We're not pro-choice or we, you know, in that aspect, we're pro-life. But then when it comes to getting the vaccines, we... Parents get to make the choice. They get to choose. They get to choose if their child catches COVID and possibly dies. I mean, I know, you know, numbers obviously a lot less for the younger kids, but they can catch it. They can pass it. They can pass it to somebody else. And the question then being is that if, what if somebody does die? 
We're okay with that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. that's, that's, that's around, that's around the, the whole spectrum. I mean, we talk about the same issue when we talk about, you know, the AIDS virus, if you knowingly infect someone else with like the AIDS virus and they become sick and they die, you're now charged with a crime, which, you know, if you know that you have something, you know, that is highly contagious. We went through that with COVID with my brother-in-law who, you know, basically knew he had been exposed knew that, you know, there was a possibility he was sick and still remained in the house with my mother, who's over 60 plus years old, my sister who has MS and gave it away. And so, you know, like that's a knowing situation where you are putting people in danger, but you've definitely proven a hypocrisy. And I've lived in the great state of Texas and there seems to be a lot of that there <laughs> hanging around. <laughs> yep. And, you know, so pro-life is, again, typically the argument by Christian organizations. And obviously we get into religions, you know, that will typically plan, you know, protest Planned Parenthood and work to change, obviously, Roe versus Wade, which was the federal law that allowed abortions. You know, when I look at things, I quickly see hypocrisy in arguments mm -hmm. that give... Oh, yeah. I think less credit to what they're saying and really want to see better arguments. I mean, I think that's really what we're looking at, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, I want to argue both sides. And to begin, I want to propose the reason why religion should not be the premise for passing laws. And for that, you know, we need to refer to our Bill of Rights, which we had talked before about it, everybody's argument that, we keep a separation from church and state. Yes. Now I want to show you another quick video here. This is Ben Carson, who was a Republican presidential candidate. Take a look at this. The First Amendment is very important. Freedom of religion. Uh, it so happens that the majority of people in this country you know, do believe in Judeo-Christian values. And there's no way that we should suppress their beliefs. And they should be able to live according to their faith. But uh, we uh, never should have a theocracy. But it has nothing to do with being a Muslim. That was the question that was specifically asked. If the question had been asked about a Christian, and they had said, you know, would you support a Christian who believes in establishing a theocracy? I would have said no. And so that, you know, is, I mean, honestly, you know, when we look at laws being passed, it's probably one of the, you know, best arguments. And, yeah. you know, this just basically argues that our laws, again, should not be based on religious principles. Since right. America, based on our constitution, should allow freedom of religion and, again, not be based on a theocracy. Right. And that's right. typically what's happening. What's that? Yeah. In this particular case, it should be based on health, on, on, on the actual, how dangerous is it to get an abortion? It, mm. can, can you physically end up hurting yourself um, by getting one? And the statistics say no. I mean, it's more likely that you're going to be harmed if abortions were illegal. Yeah, yeah. Because there are cases where it is dangerous, right? For the for the mother, and the majority of the abortions over a certain amount of weeks is more dangerous. Um, mm -hmm. After I believe seventeen to twenty weeks, 
you're now not just putting yourself in danger, obviously, uh, you know, the, the, the fetus, but you're putting yourself in, um, in, in quite a bit of like infections and all that other kind of stuff that kind of go along with that because it's a much more invasive procedure. Um, not saying that if somebody who's over 17 weeks can't have an abortion or over 20 weeks can't have an abortion. Um, but there is, there is always a possibility of more danger. So the, the further you're along, the, the likelihood is, you know, goes up. Um, but if we based our, if we based our, our laws on health and not religion, then we would, we would be a much better society, right? How, how well are we taking care of our people? but not putting opinion and judgment on them for making decisions they make. Absolutely. You know, and, and many, uh, you know, many argue that our country, you know, with the founders were based on Christian principles, like he said, but again, just for the sake of argument, they should have probably written it as freedom of religion, as long as you're Christian. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I don't absolutely. Think that is what it said, you know, and, you know, just to remind everybody, and we talked about this on another episode, that a theocracy is a country ruled by religious laws. Mm. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying abortion is right, or I'm not saying abortion is wrong in this. But I'm, again, we are looking at the arguments that are basically used. I, I don't think, in all honesty, we can say that abortion is right or it's wrong. And unfortunately, when we have people of faith because that's the majority of who I see standing out in front of these places and 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 yelling and slurring and 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 shaming human beings that walk in there you know again we're talking about a human issue that we try to put in boxes and we want to say this is right and this is wrong and that's where I think that the whole theocracy actually comes into play is that those values in this country because they are say the majority you know are, are have become supreme to an extent but if we don't look at every human being as an individual you know because what what is more i mean for, i think that it for us in this show, and I know that we'll get to it, is we should talk about some of the reasons that women, and these are women, human women who've been in a fight for their own rights since time began. I mean, we still have places in this world where women are being stoned and killed for making decisions about their own bodies, their own minds, their own health, even down to the point of their own sexuality, not even say a, a homosexual sexuality, but I don't want to be raped today. You know, like we're still stoning women to death for speaking up for themselves. I mean, this is still the world we live in. So as, as much as you and I've covered so many wars and fights, there's, this is one war that I think is still raging on is the war of women to be seen as human beings, full equal human beings. We got to talk about why. Well, and I want to tell, I want to mention too, that statistically from the women who've gotten abortion, statistically about 62 to 65% claim a form of religion. 
Wow. So, so they are, they are not exempt from not being religious, right? But right. we do have yeah. a small percentage that don't claim any type of religion or, you know, um, affiliation with any kind of religion. Um, but yeah, between 62 to 65% do claim an affiliation of some sort of religious base mm-hmm. uh, that includes mm. Catholics and includes Christians. So it's not just you know, some random, and some, like some, you know, religion there, <laughs> yeah. you know, or yeah, atheism. No, but it really is, um, you know, to, to put, to tell somebody who's going to get an abortion who, who may or may not be Christian um, and tell them that they're sinning and that kind of stuff. If they've made their choice to have an abortion, they're going to have one and they're following what they feel, what they believe is, is true. Yeah, and the cool thing about this is uh, Morella actually did, did a lot of the research for me, helped me out with this a lot um, that we're going to get into. Because, again, the question is, is, is it against even God, you know, within the biblical aspect? You know, and again, we can say that religion's the greatest pushers yeah. anti-abortion. But from those that pass the laws, how much of it is strictly political, Mm. You know, as we go back to this and actually the answer is, of course it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how do we know this? Right. Well, the Republicans and the Democrats flip flopped on this also. <laughs> and again, only makes sense when you understand how and why the Democrats flip flopped to the Lincoln side of social issues and the South continue to obviously wor- worshiping the Confederacy, but on the Republican side. Again, there's all this confusion, right? Mm-hmm. So the South identified themselves as Christians with very racist qualities, as the <laughs> Bible was the way they justified slavery, right? Yeah. KKK, as we had that guy on, quotes the Bible. Again, he identified <laughs> themselves as not a hate group. <laughs> and hatred towards liberal qualities, such as homosexuality, is evident within churches as discussed in our first episode. Now, Republicans were not always against abortion. And it wasn't until Reagan latched on to something that Nixon identified, and this is is where things get interesting, as an attempt to get the Catholic and the evangelical Christians to switch sides. Typically voting for the Democrats at that point in time. And so Reagan, right, proposes the debate that an unborn child is a living human being. Let me show you this video. I believe that until and unless someone can establish that the unborn child is not a living human being, then that child is already protected by the Constitution, which guarantees life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness to all of us. So the question then, right, of this comes... And of course, we're going to delve into this real quick because I found this very interesting as Morella did a lot of research for me on the biblical side, right? Mm. And so the, since again, religion is the main argument, right? Try and follow my story on this. And I want to, I want to give you a perspective here. And it really makes me wonder, right? If these people, these religious people actually believe what they're saying. Okay. So the Bible clearly states, right, that specifically for Christians, that they will suffer tremendously on earth. So if a mother has an abortion, are we not saying, right, 
by damning this act that this child hasn't suffered enough on earth. Mm. If I truly believe that I'm going to go to heaven, the greatest place of existence where there's no sorrow, there's no pain, there's no guilt, there's no hatred doesn't exist. Why are we worried about this? Mm. Right. So the Bible defines suicide as a sin, but being killed as a child before knowing good from bad sends you to heaven. And I, and I'm going to prove this real quick in a statement. This is Deuteronomy 139. Okay. Deuteronomy says, and the little ones that you said would be taken captive, your children who do not yet know good from bad, they will enter the land. I will give it to them and they will take possession of it. Think about this. Wow. So if they're arguing that it is a human, that it is a child, and they have an abortion, boom, they go straight to heaven. They don't know pain. Right. They don't know suffering. Am I crazy when I say this? No. Uh, oh, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> it makes perfect sense. You know, it does. It absolutely makes perfect sense. And what, and, you know, back to the, the human, the human being and it being a life, there's still, there's still a controversy on that, right? Well, oh, it's a controversy, but there's still that, when does it become a life? And mm. this is kind of goes into the Texas law when the first time you hear a heartbeat, that heartbeat only beats inside my womb. So if by chance I give premature, you know, I, I carry the baby, but it premature comes, comes out and it, it doesn't live. Right. It cannot live outside my womb. So that heart will no longer beat outside mm. of my womb. Right. So, so to me, that tells me, is it really a human being life? If it can't be, unless it's attached in my womb. Mm. That's an yeah. interesting concept. Yes. Yes. You know, and so I want to show something real quick, you know, so let us see if that we can identify the biblical view of abortion, right? In the Old Testament, specifically, as I'm going to show you, shows a God that has no concern in taking the life of children. Oh, and again, yeah. <laughs> and again, maybe because he's just bringing them home, right? Mm. If they don't know. Take a look at this document. This is a document that, that Morella had, uh, had found. Does God kill babies, right? Mm. Happy shall he be that taketh and dashes the little ones against the stones. Psalm 137, 9. The Bible is not pro-child. Why did God set a bear upon 42 children just for teasing a prophet? Second Kings, right? 223 to 24. Far from demonstrating a pro-life attitude, the Bible... Right. <laughs> the Bible decimates innocent babies and pregnant women passage after gory, a gory passage, starting with the flood and the wanton destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, progressing to the murder of the firstborn child of every household in Egypt, Exodus 12, 29, and the New Testament threats of annihilation. So you got numbers, 31, 17, now therefore kill every male among the little ones, Deuteronomy, 234, utterly destroyed the men and the women and the little ones. Deuteronomy 2853, and thou shalt eat the fruit of thine own body, the flesh of thy sons and of thy daughters. First Samuel 15:3, slay both man 
and woman, infant and suckling. Second Kings 8.12, dash their children and rip up their women with child. Second Kings 15.16, all the women therein that were with child be ripped up. Their children also shall be dashed to pieces before the, their eyes. Their houses shall be spoiled and their wives ravished. Isaiah 13, 18, they shall have no pity on the fruit of the womb. Their eyes shall not spare children. Spontaneous abortions occur far more often than medical abortions. Gynecology textbooks conservatively cite a 15% miscarriage rate with one medical study finding a spontaneous abortion rate of almost 90% in very early pregnancy. That would make a deity in charge of nature the greatest abortionist in history. That's a strong statement. I like it. <laughs> and for you don't and for you uh, for the folks who don't know what a spontaneous abortion is, it's a miscarriage. That's really all it is. It's wow. it's it's you know a, a natural miscarriage that happens, you know, if a woman loses her child in the womb. And I want you to say real quick what we were talking before about when you were discussing the um you know, the coding for, Oh, right. So that's what I do. I'm, I'm, a, I'm in a sense of a glorified medical bill. She doesn't actually do abortions. So I don't, I'm not in the health centers. I work for the administration offices. Um, and, and so a lot of what I do is, you know, we bill out the insurance companies and they're there in every, what we call a claim, basically an invoice that goes out to the insurance companies. We have to put in, what we call an ICD-10, which is a diagnosis code. And in our diagnosis codes, um, you know, we have different types of um, abortion codes. One is elective abortion. So a person chose to have an abortion. Um, the other one is as a missed abortion. Um, and then there's other ones, you know, there's um, all kinds of ones that kind of fall into the reasoning why a person had an abortion, you know, a fetal, fetal death kind of stuff. So you can break it down. Well, all those diagnosis codes are sent to the insurance companies and the insurance companies then provide that data to, um, to all these places that provide all this, um, all the statistics. So that's where all our medical statistics come from as those ICD 10 codes that are on these claims. Wow. And so my question was, I wonder sometimes because a missed abortion is a miscarriage an elective abortion is, is um, you know, chosen, you know, a choice that somebody made. Um, and when they provide those statistics, depending on who's providing them, I'm wondering if they're carving out the missed abortions because those are miscarriages. Mm. So you want to be careful when you're, when you're studying, when you're looking this up and you're looking at statistics, did they pull out the missed abortion diagnosis codes? Because those mm. are not choice driven right those somebody miscarried um and so it's it's really hard sometimes to really look at the statistics when it comes to that because it can be so um you know agenda based and like i want to show that all these women are getting abortions and really they're not so especially Mm. if you're seeing that 90 percent are miscarriages but because the wording is called a missed abortion people can be getting the wrong information Wow. So the numbers can be way off. So like numbers the numbers they the numbers they use of say these are the how many abortions there are, but there's probably not even close to that many actual um I don't want a child abortions. Correct. Wow. Wow. So that's why that's- it's really important when you're doing your research 
like especially for the pro-lifers if you're doing your research you want to make sure that the information they're feeding you is accurate because are what what information are they pulling from and we go back to agendas. They're getting information right. from somebody else who told them. Well, yeah, majority know, of them are. And yeah. then they just run out with those numbers, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it really depends on how you, on how do you, how you build a statement or an argument. We've, we've talked about this many times, how you stack your agenda and how you give it out is how people are going to ingest it. And, you know, I think that's probably... And through all of the reading about this or, or, or talking about this for many years now, that's one of the most profound things that I've even heard because that gives me an, a whole new enlightened way to, to look and think for myself, which is a, a major, major goal of this show is to say, hey, no agenda. Let's just have all the facts so we can think for ourselves. That's a really big deal. That's a really big deal. And speaking of that, I want to show you guys something too. So there are arguments, obviously, biblically that say, and according to pastors, that you are a person in the womb. So I want to show you a quick video of of a very well-known Greg Laurie. Life begins at conception, not at birth. The moment you are conceived, you're a living soul made in the image of Almighty God. Uh, David said in Psalm 139, you made all of my delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. So that is Greg Laurie obviously arguing mm-hmm. the fact that you are, um, you know, a human being at birth. You know, the, the interesting thing I have, and I, and I, I want to ask you this, um, Lona, because you may actually know, um, when we look at who wrote Psalms, right? And according to Jewish tradition, and I sort of did a little research on this book, of Psalms was composed by Adam, the first man, Melchizedek, Abraham, mm-hmm. Moses, uh, Asaph, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, Heman, Jeduthun, mm-hmm. the three sons of Korah, and of course, largely attributed to David. To David, yeah. The account of him being the arch poet, the largest mm-hmm. composer of Psalms. How do we know that? Do you, do you know how we know which one wrote which part? <laughs> well, I, I think for, you know, for, I don't think we know who wrote what, what part, you know, I think that it's mostly given in all the religious, you know, places that I've been and God knows I've been in far too many. It's always just been attributed and pushed to, to David, you know, and that, and that, you know, is, is just what is largely pushed. I would venture to say that not a lot of the pastors that, that, push that information, know what you know, even right now, what you're saying. I don't think that they actually know that for the whole entire, the entire book, I think is the way it is specifically because of what Morella and I were talking about before the show started in that we've all been given this gift. And the part that I didn't record <laughs> All the good stuff that he didn't get. By the way. I'm sorry. Okay, I didn't we get 30 minutes before recording came up. 
but you know, we are all given this gift. And I, and I, and I hope that throughout this, that Morella will repeat that because it's probably one of the most elegant arguments on e on this subject and many others that it is that, that we have all been given a gift. And I think that a book that it's written so it contradicts itself in, in many, many ways. It's not a fluid book. It doesn't start at one side and just tell this, you know, story and it goes all the way to the end. It's very much a back and forth interpretation because we have to remember, and this is probably going to rile some folks up. It was still written by men mm -hmm. and it's an interpretation of how, you know, the time, I mean, the way we interpret something now is not the way it's going to be interpreted thousand years ago. It's in our entire existence, what our realities are and how we're going to interpret something. It still came through the hands, the minds, the mouths of men. And but interpretations. That. Interpretations, exactly, which, as we know, are built on what we feel inside. Yeah. Mm -hmm. interpretation is a, a, is a written document of my feelings. Right. And so, you know, how do we build, how do we build what's right and wrong based on just this without, well, and like, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, uh, no, no, and, and like you said, like the way we're interpreting the Bible today, it's much different than we interpreted, you know, 60 years ago. Yes. It, it depends yes. on what's going on in the world and, you know, right. when it's happening and how we're feeling about it and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, it, for the pro-lifers out there who, you know, the argument is that life is a gift. It, it absolutely is. But it was all, but the gift of choice was also given to us from the almighty. Yeah. That yeah. by, by you forcing your beliefs on me, you're, you're taking away a gift that was, that wasn't yours to take. Well, and that's my, and that was one of my thoughts Beautiful. on it was that, you know, again, like you said, one of the greatest gifts God gave us was freedom of choice. We choose, right? So if humans want to take away your freedom, aren't they trying to play God? It's like yeah. they're telling you, like they're yeah. telling you as you walk into the clinic, that you're not God to take away this life. What's the difference? What is the difference? Because you're also not God to judge. You don't know that human being. You don't know that circumstance. You only think about what you believe. This is just a loose woman who is, you know, killing her baby for no other reason in the world. But and sending him straight to heaven to the most beautiful place of all. <laughs> Right, 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 right. And, and what, I, what I've always loved about it is, you know, um, you know, they have certain um, programs or whatever, like, you know, come with us. We, you know, we will make, take care of you and your baby. You don't have to make this decision, you know, what, whatever the case may be. And let's just say they decide to not get the abortion and they, and they go with them and they help them out through the pregnancy and, and, you know, giving birth to the child and, and whatever. Um, who's to say they're going to continue to help them through the next 18 years, 19 years, right. financially, emotionally, you know, they don't know that person's situation Make you know, having, making the choice to have an abortion is never an easy one. It's not like one Thank day you. somebody gets pregnant. It's like, all right, I'm just going to 
I'm just going to have an abortion. I'm fine with that. You know, um, there is a lot of emotional baggage that comes along with it. That, that is, that is the biggest risk of having an abortion really today Mm. is just dealing with the emotional stuff that comes with that, you know? Um, and, and there's a lot of counseling that's done prior to the individual going in for an abortion, they'll go in, make the appointment and, and the clinicians will talk to the patient. Are you being forced into making this decision? How comfortable are you? So that if there's ever, and there is several times where patients go, you know what, I've changed my mind, you know, and we go, okay, you know, you've made your decision. If you change your mind, we're here for you. If you don't, we can bridge that gap and and try to find an OBGYN for you to help you care. We, we at Planned Parenthood are not ones like what people say, pro-abortion. We're not out there signing people up like, oh, you're pregnant. Come on, we have a place for you. You know, that's not pro-abortion. What we are is pro-choice. Well, you don't recruit. We're allowing the human being to make a choice. What was that? You don't recruit. We don't recruit. <laughs> we don't. Um, you know, in fact, we we actually promote contraceptives. Our our biggest, you know, push is really to help people understand safe sex, what contraception options they have, you know, what what they can do to prevent having to make a decision like this. And remember what controversial that was. Huh. Remember how controversial that Absolutely. was. Absolutely. And that's totally controversial. So there's certain people who they're, they're totally against abortion, but they also don't want you to take contraceptives. Well, that's what, so, that's what the federal government was trying to do, right? They were trying to, to remove money from you guys for, for promoting uh, contraceptive. Yeah. They, they, um, they, uh, what was it? The, um, Oh, I can't remember the name of it now. Um, Basically, they're trying to say if you promoted it, they weren't going to give you any more funding, which is our Title Ten funding here in California. Um, and so it was the hush law or something like that. So they weren't allowed to give you that option. Wow. So they're so they're yeah. anti-abortion, but they also don't want you to uh, give contraceptives, you know, or help people not help get pregnant. Right. right. Exactly. So it. So and then of course there's some. I think it was um, with Trump was in office and I don't think it's been overturned yet, but um, you know, some insurances, some of those um, private insurance plans, like, you know, the employee based benefits and stuff like that, they were given the, the, the okay to remove contraceptive benefits from a patient, from an employee's um, benefit plan. So there's, there's, unfortunately, there is some of those religious assurances that have removed contraceptive from there. You, you're not allowed to, you know, they won't pay for your contraceptive, basically. So and yet now sex have, doesn't stop. Right. Sex doesn't stop. Sex is never well, And that's stop. the thing. Yes. Ultimately, the best form of not getting pregnant is abstinence. And, and, and because you say that, people aren't going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> I'm never going to do it again. Just and that's why that. I was pregnant Work. at 19 years old. Yeah. Like, you know, like, um, you know, it was all, it was all a, um, you know, it, it was like, I just sat on a toilet seat with sperm on it, I guess. Yeah. I don't know how I'm pregnant. Wow. You know, that, like, that is, the, the, the misconception. Never sit down. <laughs> never sit down. No, I should have listened to my mother. Yeah. You should have um, used the toilet seat. Cover. Yeah. So toilet seat cover, right? Right. 
<laughs> without a toilet seat cover, which, which is me, is more gross than just getting pregnant. Like, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to ask you real quick. So, you know, according to the information that I found, according to statistics, about 900,000 to a million children, and according to Greg Laurie, are humans that result in miscarriage. Okay. Now, by these numbers, this, by definition, would be God's miscarriage or God's abortion, right? Right. So with these children, this would be the greatest epidemic of all time. I mean, we sit here and we're saying like the drug overdose epidemic of 95,000 people that are dying a year is an epidemic. Well, I mean, shit, this would be the greatest epidemic of all time. 900,000 to 1 million children a year are human beings that are dying. Not from abortion, but from miscarriage. Wow. That's wow. insane. That, and we, why aren't we? I mean, this should be something that should really be fought because these are human beings, right? According yeah. to Greg Laurie. According to Greg, I mean, these, you know, there should be, there should be constant looks and overview of women that are pregnant to make sure they don't miscarriage because that is a huge number. Huge. (laughs) I know I sounded crazy when I said that, but that's (laughs) right. I mean, is that, you know, it's a great, it's an argument. It's a great argument. It's an argument that you don't hear talked about. It's because no. it doesn't it doesn't check the box of right or wrong. We can't fight or shame. If we make that argument, we lose our ability to shame another human being into control, into us doing what them doing what we want them to do. And here's you know? what's really interesting, okay? In Numbers 5:22 in the Bible, right? It says, "May this water that brings a curse into your body so that your abdomen swells or your womb miscarries, then the woman is to say, amen. So be it. Wow. This is a a, a great argument for a very angry, violent God. I mean, angry. Again, it just shows that in the Bible and especially the old Testament of the Bible, God really had no care for children. Yeah. I mean, he really didn't. Now, again, maybe because he just wanted to bring them home. Because, again, if they're not at that place to where they're able to choose, they're going straight to heaven. Beautiful place. Wonderful. And, and I think that's the biggest, like, like we were talking about earlier, that's the biggest point. Like, when, when, when does this become, because, I mean, we talk about the 14th Amendment, and it says, you know, every person born in this country so our amendment doesn't say that they are now citizens the amendment only says they are citizens when they are now released from their mother and they're breathing and and living on their own so how do we get this passed you know how does this because you and i talk a lot about you know our bill of rights our constitution and if we go by constitution how are we even getting these anti-abortion laws passed if they're not freedom. religious agenda? Because we have a lot of freedoms that we really don't have a lot of freedoms. Hey, we don't. You know? It's just a joke, yeah. you know. And, and, I to, and I want to say something real quick. And this is some information that, again, Morella had brought to me. It was uh, 
you know, the arguments that is pro-choice, right? And again, from the biblical aspect, Genesis, Genesis 2-7, and the Lord God formed a man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So is breath required to be a person? Mm. Now, I found some others too that I was looking at. Well, I think that goes back to saying, can this can this person live outside my womb, breathe, have a heartbeat, have all the natural stuff that comes to us, viable, can they viably live outside of my womb? No, mm-hmm. absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Right? So that that's where, that's what, to me, is when it becomes a person. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. and, and again, this is my it's opinion. Powerful too. Me, mine too. Yeah, yeah, now the, and there's also, there's multiple other verses too. Job 33, 4 says, the spirit of God has made me and the breath of the almighty gives me life. So again, we keep going back to breath. Now breath. You, they're not mm-hmm. breathing in the womb. No, no. Right. Yeah. I, I just want to, and I just want to preface this so that, that, that so that, that, that people understand too, that there's not really necessary this big agenda abortion makes me sad in many ways and and more in the ways of the trauma that goes with you know a person making a choice like this because i think that morella has said it very you know openly that this is not a choice most the majority of women just wake up and say shit, you know, I shouldn't have done that last night. I'm just going to get, you know, I'm just getting rid of it. That's not necessarily the case. And I think that even when we talk about women who maybe, who maybe we think, think like that, or maybe do think like that. I think if we took a a look at their lives, there would be even more trauma surrounding that. And so that's that, you know, the whole thing, course it makes me sad for many reasons to think about you know we we are we are conditioned and and love you know new lives babies they represent you know new choices new opportunity brand new start you know they they represent so much but even when we talk about children how much of our children's lives are we cultivating for them to be who they are and more about for them to be an extension of us mm-hmm. so to speak yeah. so you know, I I just want to say that that you know I'm not I'm not on this panel right now to say you know that that all this whole subject and I don't think anybody on this panel would say that this subject just makes us happy and we run through daisies thinking <laughs> about how unimportant any of this is. It's very important. We're talking about a shameful, a traumatized society that lends itself to addiction, to suicide, to you know to immense poverty we're we're talking about these things and you know it's already a shameful decision that one makes within themselves that they struggle with you know to to even Even make a choice like that they would still struggle with it absolutely 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 it is and, and and just to tell my story a little bit i had a choice with with my oldest son it was one of those do I walk to the clinic? Do I go to the OBGYN? I, I'm not sure. I struggled it with it for, for days. When I finally made the decision to keep my son, um, it was because I knew I had the support of my mother. I didn't mm. have the support of my of the father of the child. The, wow. the father of the child wanted me to have an abortion. 100% did not want me to have this child. 
Mm. Um, you know, I was able to talk to my mom. My mom was like, okay, you've made your choice. We will support you, you know? And, and so I was fortunate. I was very fortunate to be able to have that support. There's so many women out there who don't have that support. Yeah. Not only do they not have the support of the father of the child, who, by the way, gets off scot-free, right? So this is why it's a woman's choice. Right. Um, you know, if he decides to take off, then, all right, he's taken off. Oh, well, you know, um, I mean, he might have to pay the child support and that kind of stuff, but still. Yeah, um, but that's a whole process, too. To that's make a whole, yeah, to try to get that money, and, you know, whatever. Yeah. yeah, all that kind of stuff. And and so I I am very blessed that I was able to have that support. But there's so many women out there who don't have that support. There's people out there who don't have this. They can't go to their parents. They're afraid right. to go to their parents. Right. And we've had this discussion on our show. Um, you know, uh, what were you thinking? Where because parents try to act like they have so much control and I would disown you if you did this, if you were gay, I'd disown you. If you have an abortion, I'll disown you. It was all these, you know, so kids are afraid to come to their parents for this kind of stuff. And this is what makes me so proud to work for Planned Parenthood because we're there for them when nobody else is to help mm-hmm. them make that decision, help mm-hmm. them decide what is best for them. And we don't just go, okay, let's go get an abortion. You, that's what you want. We, we have that discussion. And then the same day that they have the abortion, they leave the clinics 90% of the time, leave the clinics with um, contraceptive. So well. they educate them. I want to say at least 90 to 95% of the time. And I know because I do the billing for them, you know, so I, they, they, they come in for an abortion and then they have another counseling session on what's the best contraceptive for you. And let's, let's leave here with contraceptive so that you don't have to make that choice again. Yeah. Now the argument on, on that, you know, by saying that, oh, you know what, I got pregnant and I don't want to tell my parents again, they shouldn't have had sex. Right. But let's because be realistic. Now they, yeah, well, and, <laughs> we have to be realistic. And that's the thing. That's another thing that's that, that with some of the pro-life, you know, with the pro-life movement, that it's so non-realistic. And again, maybe in the forties and fifties, women were not having sex before marriage. Right. I actually looked. Up so the they said, how, I looked up the statistics, how, what's the percentage at this point as of 2020, Okay, so last year, what what was the statistics of how many people are actually waiting for marriage? And the, the numbers was 3%. That sounds 3% of people are waiting till marriage. And so realistically, it doesn't matter. I told my kids, I don't want you guys having sex before, you know, before you're married, but I'm realistic. And I, and we laugh about this. I put condoms in their stockings. Yep, my son I'm, like, I'm I'm going to be realistic. I don't want you having sex. And really, I told them I didn't want them having sex because they're boys, number one, but because of the fact that it's such an emotional attachment for the right. Woman. That was my point. It, it my wasn't. Son. It was, and plus, if you get her pregnant, I'll kick your ass. But mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> um, but you know, it was one of those things where it was like. You have to understand women get emotionally attached. And at 15, 16, 17 years old, they're not mentally ready for that kind of attachment. So, you know, did they listen to me? No, I can tell you right now they did it. <laughs> the youngest one, I'm still thinking he's okay, but the other ones didn't listen to me. 
But what they did listen to was they used contraceptive. They used the condoms I gave them or they bought their own. They, they were mindful of that because they knew, you know, there was a possible possibility of pregnancy. And fortunately to this day that I know of, you know, they haven't gotten anybody pregnant. Um, and I did tell them, if you do get somebody pregnant, you will be as responsible as the, as the girl. But then again, mm-hmm. that's, that's my parenting skills, right? There's other parents who will completely go another way and believe that if they tell their kid, no, you're not allowed to have sex, that they're going to actually listen. Yeah. There's too much other, there's too much other influences outside of the parental, you know, units. Oh yeah. You know, you know, what's crazy yeah. now, this is, you know, this is what really kills me, especially in the state of California. I don't know how it is in North Carolina, but in the state of California, back in, I want to say the, er, the late nineties or maybe early two thousands, right. California passed a law that if you are, you know, that you cannot choose as a child, right. To have sex. Right. So if a 17 year old sleeps with a 17 year old, it's statutory rape, right. Both sides. Okay. Now the, now the male is the typically the one that's going to get charged, even though the female <laughs> committed statutory rape too. Okay. Mm-hmm. So wait, is it in California? And I learned all of this stuff because uh, when I had my program in Anaheim, I had probation that came to me and they wanted to know if I would start up a program for juvenile sex offenders. Now I was actually very interested in it. So I put a whole program together and I started doing this. Now, typically the offenses that were committed were things that were not illegal when I was a kid, you know, peeing in public. And, and so, and then of course I had a male that was there for having sex with a 16 year old. And this was a 17 year old, um, statutory rape. Of course, the female didn't get charged. Um, it was only the male and, uh, you know, it's absolutely insane to me. I mean, you think about it. Like when I was, when I was a kid, I had had sex a couple of times. Okay. I had, I even got a girl pregnant when I was seven. My first child actually was, uh, I was 17 year old, 17 years old when he was born. And, um, um, and you were good and ready for it, weren't you? Oh, you were good and ready. I was off and running. Oh yeah. Especially at that. Yeah. But when you think about it, it's such a setup though. I mean, it really is, is. you know, when you're, when you're 15 year old, 16 years old, seven, you got hormones that are just raging, you know, and you just want to freaking everything that's coming your way. Everything. (laughs) It's a contradiction. It's, it's, it's almost seems like a joke to say, this is how your body naturally acts, but don't you do that. Don't you dare do that. Right. And I want to ask you two a question, especially you, Marilla, because this make you guys make a good equal audience here. Do you think that we would have this same dynamic of sex between women and males and females, knowing how different males and females are made? Would we have that same attachment and and dynamic if? There was not such a shame built around sex as a whole. Does that make sense? Like, like had there not been shame all the way through? It's almost like would would 
would drug drug users still be using drugs if they were illegal? Kind of right. Thing? Yeah. Right. right? Yeah. So, yeah. So doesn't matter. I think if you, I think if you take away the stigma with sex, I think the the dynamic, dynamics would actually pretty much be the same. Okay. Because it's our body, it's our hormones. It's you know, it's it's wanting to be. It's not even just the hormones, but it's wanting to be accepted. And you really like this guy, and you know, maybe I just can just give him a piece of me. Or you know, sex does sound interesting. You know, that like I said. There is other things that are happening outside the parental unit. I bet you if I, you know, there's probably sex, um, like phrases and comments I've never even heard of that my kids would probably know of, like, right. you know, like I, I would, okay. You know, because they, they're, they're stimulated in different ways than we were when we were younger, we didn't have the internet, you know? Um, so they, they they see that kind of stuff and yeah they 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 get interested and they and they their hormones kicked in and they're like I saw this or I heard about this and I want to do this you know that kind of stuff so so the idea of actually removing sex from the picture is just it's it's unrealistic it is so unreal unless you actually have a chastity belt around your daughter like it's just not going to happen and you know and then of course yeah all the all this stuff you know i remember learning as a kid you know masturbation to get hair in your hands you know man i'd have some freaking yeah that's uh, eric has to constantly shave in his hands because he can't get rid i'd have to be you know yeah i'd be shaving my (laughs) you're gonna go blind gonna go blind yes Yes. People yeah. know they can tell it on you. Yeah. So I wanted to mention too, you know, so we, we arrive obviously at a very interesting topic, you know, which is obviously unwanted pregnancy, you know, and some unwanted pregnancies are a result of rape. Yes. You know, and I can guarantee, right. That most, if not all individuals who argue that this is no reason to have an abortion have probably not been raped that resulted in pregnancy. Mm-hmm. You know, especially right. all the men that you see out there. I'm sure those men did not get raped and, and get pregnant. <laughs> For nine months, these people have to carry a baby to remind them of the yes. rape consistently. Yes. You know, and this, I believe, is a very valid argument. You know, and those states which want to ban abortion with the very black and white rules, I think are fucked up. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And, and numbers, yeah, no, remember the, the Texas, the guy from Texas. Oh, I'm going to show you that video here in a second. But yeah, oh. you got about 18 million women, right? And according to studies, I found that have experienced vaginal rape in their lifetime. And almost 3 million women of those experienced rape-related pregnancy during their lifetime. And people argue, and this is where I think it's crazy. Well, it isn't a huge percentage just because it's only 3 million women. Right. Right. You know, Texas, the Texas governor, you know, is removing (laughs) those vaccine mandates, which has been shown to save lives. And it's only 8 million people in Texas that are refusing to get it. Only 8 million. He should require it. Right. It's only 8 million. (laughs) Right. Remember they care about lives, right? It's only 8 million. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to say this thing. So I've, so I've had like, so I've seen two things that, that really interest that, that play on my heart about this subject. So when I was 16, I went to live in a place called West Monroe, Louisiana, that that dynasty made popular when I was there, nobody knew where it was, but it was a Christian girl's home. And on one half of the house, it was a home for unwed mothers. Okay. And uh, the majority of those females had been raped 
and were now pregnant from this rape. And they were some of the ones that were talked out of abortions through religious things. And they were now cattled into this place and they were, you know, shamed and told, you know, all these things. But the, the result was that they were going to give these babies up to, for adoption to these different Christian couples. But I watched some of those girls go through having the constant reminder. And I remember having a conversation with one of them and saying that, you know, why did you choose, you know, to keep your baby? And I just remember that there was a night there that the ambulance showed up at that house because she tried to take her own life mm -hmm. because of just the shame that she felt, that constant reminder, then making that decision of, do I now turn this child over? Um, I've carried it this long, you know, all these things. And then I've also seen, because working, I used to work in the mental health field, um, I've seen a direct born father, daughter, child of incest. And this was not a life for anyone to have to live, being constantly and consistently locked away in group homes and facilities for the rest of her life. She had conditions that had no muscle mass on her body. What's, I mean, no fat on her body. So she was a full muscle. She was mentally completely destroyed. She had teeth that protruded out. She was not a person that had the, even the ability to be in pursuit of happiness. And she could have gone, and she could have gone straight to heaven. Could have gone straight there. No suffering, no nothing. Yeah. And yet I bet you she still lives in a group home in Texas, by the way, yeah. to this very day. This now, very Texas, day. now the Texas new law, and I'm going to show this to you guys, I found it very comical how they, they were going to fix this problem. I remember, I remember hearing this on the news with Eric and I was like, oh my God, I can't. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Let's make something very clear. Rape is a crime, and Texas will work tirelessly to make sure that we eliminate all rapists from the streets of Texas by aggressively going out and uh, arresting them and prosecuting them and getting them off the street. Exactly. You're going to arrest them before they actually commit the rape. Now, that, now I think that's got to be illegal, too. That's straight minority report right there. Exactly. Yeah. We are going to stop rape. You know, it doesn't really give any great answers other than we're just going to go out and arrest these people. Because so in order, in order what to going stop to abortion, a stop abortion for the, for the women that are subject to rape, you know, that have been raped, they're just going to get rid of the rapist. I mean, because that's realistic. Yeah, because that's right? going to make it fix. That's going to make a huge difference. So, well, what have they been doing so far? Oh, I know, well, right? Go ahead and keep the rapist. Yeah, they've been apparently <laughs> allowing. Like, oh, but now that we're eliminating abortion, we'll get rid of the rapist. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's. People it's ask, like, on women. you know, why can't why can't we, you know, carry the baby to term, deliver it, and then give it up for adoption, right? But that's another choice you have to make before you make the decision. So when, when you're, when you're kind of tossing the ball around, like I said, with me was I either keep the baby or I have an abortion, but then there's a third ball. So now you're juggling three decisions you've got to make of giving up for adoption. And for me personally, I could never live with myself knowing that I gave up a child that's living out in the world who I don't know is happy. I don't know if they got went to a good home. I don't know any of that stuff. And if that was the case, then why do we have so many children in the system yeah. that don't have parents? 
yes. that were given up for adoption. So if every woman stopped having abortion altogether and Jace gave them up for adoption, you really think that would fix anything? We'd have a yeah. lot of more people. We'd have in this a country. lot more unwanted children. There's so many <laughs> yeah. children in the system. And then there's people that do have their children and don't love them, don't care for them. There's so many other people in foster in foster care because they were taken away from the family that was abusing them in so yeah. many ways. So again, by me pushing, you know, if I was a pro-lifer, me pushing them to have this child, you cannot guarantee this child is going to have a happy life. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, here's the other thing too, like, and I I think about this, like, you know, we obviously all know that making something illegal does not stop it. I mean, that's just the reality, you know? And so, you know, we've seen throughout history, you know, that- yeah, that people will do, you know, they'll start using coat hangers, they'll freaking stick it in the brain of the child. And then sometimes the child will live. That's right. The child will live sometimes. And then you'll have some really deformed kid because they didn't actually do it right. Um, you know, you'll go back to that whole thing where like, you know, the, they're, you know, even sometimes just having the abortion that you're going to, they're going to throw the kid in the trash can. You know, I mean, you know, there's we've all had kinds. that. We've had that already. Where yeah. you know, we, you know, we have they have found babies thrown away in trash cans because, again, kids were too young to to or too afraid to go to their parents. They hid their pregnancy. They give birth and uh, don't know what to do with it, but to throw it away. And so their children. Now yes. that is an actual life. Yes. Yes. You know. Yes. Now it's an actual life because yes. it's viable outside of the womb. So it's, it's those things where, you know, uh, and again, uh, there is, there was a really good video I sent over to Eric was a little long, but where one of the a pro-lifer had had two abortions and she suffered so greatly from them that she now turned it to being pro-life. Okay. So you're assuming that anybody else who's going to have an abortion is going to suffer their whole life and now all of a sudden has to do a flip-flop. So she mm-hmm. has she has a right to change her opinion, you know, sure, because sure. of what she was, what what life led her and where she was sure. based. And so she's so she took her she took her trauma and adopted some children, which is great, right? Mm-hmm. You, you, she did she did what was good for her, but that doesn't mean that it's good for everybody else. Yep. Correct. You know, Correct. the again, the choice of having an abortion is not an easy one. Um, you know, prior to my oldest, I, you know, I did have my own, I did have an abortion. It pained me very much at the age of 17. I, what was I going to do? I was scared. I was alone. The father wanted nothing to do with it. And yes, I ended up being with him for 20 years, but you know, at that point he wanted nothing to do with it. Um, you know, I was, I was using drugs. I was, you know, there was a lot of situations that were happening at that point in my life. And that was a choice I had to make. And by the way, I was using contraceptive. Hmm. So yeah. it was, it was one of those things where it was like, contraceptive is not a hundred percent. Right. Um, and, and this happened and I made this decision and yes, it traumatized me for, for quite some time. I'm at peace with it now. I'm 45 years old. So it's, you know, whatever, but, it, but, you know, I, I've only, I only had male children. And when I decided I wasn't going to have any more kids, one of my things, one of the things that brought up, and this was years later, I wonder if that was my daughter, like Mm. that one daughter that I wanted. So it it does come back and it does, you know, traumatize you. It does, you know, make you think back and make you think twice and that kind of stuff. But I know in my heart and hearts that that was the right thing for me to do at that time. 
because there would have been no way I'd be where I am today if I would have had a child at 17. Mm, Thank you for sharing that. Wow. You know, so, I mean, so it just, and, 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 uh, you know, hindsight's always 2020. Um, and I, I don't regret that decision, but it was a difficult one to make, you know, because I always thought, oh, I'm going to have like, I love kids. I'm going to have like 20 kids. I love them, you know, blah, blah. blah. And and so when, when I, when, you know, and I was, I was one of those people with a pro-life you know, abortion stick sticker, you know, a pro-life sticker on my car. And, you know, it's a bright, it's a, it's a baby, not a choice. Like I was taught all about it until I was, until I was confronted with my own. And you know, what's interesting in that video that you had sent me, and I'm going to show you a little piece of it, which I found really interesting, but it's not this part, but you know, there was one of the people that argued and discussed that was pro-choice, you know, that all of these people talk about, well, you know, you can, give it up for adoption, you know, every kid. Well, if that's the case, there should not be any kids in foster homes. That's correct. Exactly my point. Yeah. There literally should be, you know, if, if everybody's all supportive of, you know, giving up for adoption, every baby that's born that that person doesn't want, or that person can't serve. Why is there a single person that's in a foster home? Why is there not, why are, are all kids not taken care of in a loving, caring home? Absolutely. Like everybody proposes it to be. Maybe we should work on that part. And then, and then after we work on making sure that children are safe in their homes, making sure that they are, their parents have the ability to be safe and loving parents past their own traumas and their own situations, that they have plenty of money and, and the resources to raise children that can be happy and healthy human beings let's do that first then let's circle back around especially if you're forcing these people to have these kids you know correct Correct. they they should definitely make sure they're they're, you know it should technically cost the state of texas a ton of money you know because if they're going to force them to have a kid they need to make sure that they got the money to take care of this kid Mm-hmm. I think that's a valid, valid argument right there. Right. Absolutely. And, and, and again, back to having my oldest, you know, I, you know, I, I it was tough. I had, the, I had the support of my family and thankfully I was able to live with them for two and a half years before, you know, we finally moved out and got our own place and I was able to get on my feet, but I still had to pay his, buy his food, pay for his daycare, do all that kind of stuff at 19, 20 years old super young. I'm still trying to go to school and try to figure my own life out. And my oldest and I joke around because we're 20 years, there's a 20 year difference. And, you know, I tell him, I go, we basically grew up together just to let you know, you know, like if I screwed up, I'm sorry, but I was growing up with you, you know? Um, And, and, uh, and the choice of me giving him up was after giving birth to him was not even an option for me. Like that didn't, I I couldn't, I just couldn't, wouldn't have been able to do it. Um, But I had to use the system. I had to use, um, but that time it was um, food stamps, you know, um, and luckily I had a job, so I didn't have to use um, Medi-Cal or, um, yeah, I'm sorry, he was on Medi-Cal, but I didn't have to use, um, you know, welfare or anything like that. Um, But there's, there's only so much that welfare can do. You know, like, yeah, you know, like that's why we have the slums. That's why we have so much homeless out here in California. I mean, we just, there's it just, it doesn't, it, 
I think now they've limited to like a certain amount of years that you can use welfare and stuff like that. But I had to use the system. And unless there is a system that's going to be able to help support you of your decision of having this child or your lack of decision to have this child, then you can't really stop. I mean, you shouldn't be putting a law to stop abortion. I mean, you have Absolutely. to. Okay. Well, so all these people that have had abortions are now going to have babies. Now we got to be able to support them until they reach a certain age. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I think so, that's the most beautiful argument. Yeah. And, you know, so let me kind of come to that question, you know, how do we deal with this dilemma? You know, what is actually going to help, you know, send a message or allow people to consider options or to think about it? Now, I'm going to give you guys two videos real quick. I'm going to show you that that will look at which one is what, which one helps, which one is a little bit more uh, ineffective. So take a look at this. Okay, I find that crap very ineffective. Okay. Yeah. Honestly. And uh, protesting? It, yeah. I mean, it, it, there, there's no communication, there's no clear, you know, talking about things, right? And Walk a Mile in My Shoes is a show that's designed to help foster understanding. Yes. So what about something like this? I wasn't surprised at how this has gone because when we were all talking outside, it didn't make any difference whose side was on whose side. And we, and we all bonded right away, you know. Sometimes our levels got a little bit raised, but you know what? We're, we all respect each other. No matter what you do, you've, you've heard all the arguments. There's not going to be one argument where you're like, oh my gosh, I just changed my mind. No, it's never gonna, you know, people are who they are and it usually takes a certain situation happening. But I think it's healthy to have the dialogue. I think it doesn't happen enough. It happens too much behind our computers. And... Oh, okay. That's cool. <laughs> Sorry, dog. <laughs> okay. It was great to meet you. Great meeting you. Three were pro-life, three were pro-choice. And they really and, and they really had a really good discussion of where they came from with their choice. And that was where the the the, the first lady that was speaking, um, she was speaking about, you know, the respect that they had and the communication they had. She was the one I was saying had two abortions and ended up wow. adopting two kids, you know, after she, you know, I guess she was also an alcoholic and stuff like that. So she made those choices and she suffered from those choices. So yes, it is painful mentally for a woman, but does that take away the right for you to be able to make that choice? Right. You know, So that's yeah. another thing, you know, to have these dialogues, this, this, you know, like this show, the, the one that the video that Eric just showed was really helpful because I was able to kind of hear their, their side and go, oh, okay. So just like she flip-flopped from pro-choice to pro-life, I flip-flopped the other way, pro-life to yeah. pro-choice, because then when I got hit with the reality, I was like, oh my gosh, I, what do I do? You know? Yeah. Um, and there was that, there was that, you know, moment of clarity for me where I knew what I needed to do. Um, that doesn't make her choice wrong or my choice wrong it just right. it, it, we have different life circumstances 
that come our way, that we learn from, that we grow from, and we decide what we're going to do with our lives. Mm -hmm. I do not go to somebody and tell them to make a choice um, that that will affect the rest of their lives unless I'm going to be there at every single step of their choice. And that, that that goes just as equally with my own children. Yeah. I can't force my choices on my own children. It's their so life. True. So true. And so um, we do have, we do have a lot of protesters that come, you know, I think we've talked about this before where they've had, you know, children, these busing children, school age children to come in and, mm-hmm. and hold the signs and talk about, you know, like, you know, abortion is murder and, you know, this, that, and the other. It's like these, these kids have no idea because now you're scaring them. So yep. if they ever get forced to that situation, they know they can't come talk to you. Absolutely. As a parent, yeah. yep. you know, or Absolutely. as a teacher, they have nobody to go to. You know, and and so it's, it saddens me in so many ways, you know, abortion is not an easy subject for anybody, Um, you know, for the mom, for the mom who's making the decision, um, you know, for the families. And like you said, there's probably so much other to make that choice. There's so many other aspects that are that that people are not considering. Um, you know, raising that child, giving it yeah. up, what, you know, what do you do? It, it's, it's really, it's really sad choice. And, um, and that's, again, back to why I love working for Planned Parenthood, because they're supporting that choice, whatever it is, good, bad, or indifferent, it's a choice that they're, and they're doing it in a healthy environment. By taking away abortion, you are not only hurting the fetus, you are hurting the woman that's hurting, that, that can eventually hurt themselves try mm. to give themselves their own abortion, um, yeah. you know, and who knows what will happen. They end up killing not just the fetus, but also, also the, the mother, you know? Yeah. Um, mm. So it, it's sad. And, and yeah, and, and your first opening the video about the vaccine, he clearly says it is the parent's choice to whether or not a child wants to get vaccinated. So it's our choice then, but it's not our choice before. Yeah, I have a really good one here. So yeah, if we go if we go back to the God thing, right? And so, you know, and, and again, if we look at it from the biblical side, God is in control, right? In the book of Job, everybody talks about it, showed us that, that nothing happens on this planet or this world without God allowing it, right? And also, Okay, 1 Corinthians 12, right? The Bible tells us about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. In this game, I was talking to Morella actually had given me this information, right? One gift that we take for granted is that gift of choice, right? So when yep. God created Adam and Eve, he gave them the gift of choice, right? They had the power to choose to eat of this fruit or to obey God and not eat it. This is thou mayest choose for thyself for it is given unto thee. So God has told us, right, through his prophets, right, that we are free to choose between good and evil. We can choose liberty and eternal life by following Jesus Christ. We're also free to choose captivity and death by following Satan. It's our choice. Of course, people on this planet like to be God, take that choice away. So it seems possibly that God gave us the ability to choose and, and, you know, by those that support again, free choice, which ironically was the same statement by our good friend, Ted Cruz on his Twitter page. Take a look at this real quick. Okay. So this is actually Ted Cruz. I stand with Kiri Irving. I stand with Andrew Wiggins. 
I stand with Bradley Beal. I stand with Jonathan Isaac. Hashtag NBA. Hashtag your body. Your, your choice. choice. <laughs> Good old Ted Cruz. Now, Ted Cruz is highly fighting against abortion. Your body, <laughs> your choice. Again, we're talking about one thing. Not your body and your choice for abortion. I think fundamentally, when we're talking about women, there is a ploy, there is this overall consensus to keep women controlled. I think it's flat out. If this COVID thing, if this vaccine had everything to do with women, it would be a mandate across the board. If it had something to do with women, and, and it makes me ask this question, what are we so scared of that women hold that we're so afraid that women may use whatever it is they have to gain power. It just, I believe that if, if this were, and this is how I can, we'll, we'll go out in this show. And this is my true belief. If this had anything to do with anyone else, but women, it would not be an issue. Sure. But the fact that we want to keep women in their place, control their thinking, control their movements, then that's why this is an issue. And I will say, biblically, the Bible is very brutal on women. Very. 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 <laughs> women and children, right? And children. Yep. <laughs> yep. And I would say, and I would argue on the pro-life side yeah. about that, um, you know, about it being a choice. Um, because pro-lifers believe that every child is its own entity without the mother, then you don't have a right to choose for that child. Mm. But then it goes right back to you do because one, you're the parent, right? And then two, it's not viable without you. So that's where it's my body, my choice. I choose as a woman to do what I need to do for my body. And, but on a pro-life side, they're going to say, well, because it's its own body, but it really isn't. Right. So, you right. know what I mean? Like, it's right. just, where, you know, when, if we're talking about both sides, we've got to think about what would a pro-life person, you know, how they would spin that. Absolutely. Um, and, and that makes sense, but they also have to remember that's not a, its own body without mine. That's true. And you know what kills that's me? So I mean, true. It really, it really kills me with the, you know, like Texas, you know, saying that, you know, kids aren't mandated to wear masks, you know, so like we care about your kids when they're in your womb, but once they're born, we don't give a fuck. You, you can choose, you can, you know, send them off to the, you know, to the grave. You can have them jump off a cliff if you want, you know, you can tell them to go play with the, uh, you know, freaking large machine and get run over by it, whatever, you know. <laughs> You well, there's laws that. against it at that point. Yeah. But it was an accident, but it was an accident. You know, um, aren't they always, yeah, always I, mean, we, I accidentally ran man. over my kid, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was, a, it was a complete, there's no law against accidents. Right. Right. True. But yeah, I mean, there, there is, I, I, what if it was an accidental abortion? It's just an accident. Those are called miscarriages. So oh, there they are. See, so, so or I accidentally went into Planned Parenthood. I, I thought went, it was a, I thought it was a gynecologist that I was going into, but accidentally 
And since I was there, a place that did abortions. <laughs> well, and then scientifically, let's just say, let's just talk about Texas here for a little bit. So, scientifically, um, was it six weeks that they put? Yeah, yeah. six weeks. Yeah, right. yeah, six weeks, right? A woman doesn't barely even know they're pregnant until almost eight weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, are they going to go in? Um, you know, because you, you're, if, if you understand the menstrual, menstrual cycle, it's every 28 days, right? 28 to 30 days is when you start your menstrual cycle. So there's a small gap in between that 28 days where you're um, ovulating, where you're, where you can get pregnant. Right. Um, so unless you really know your period and most women do not know, they just know around when they're going to be getting it and they don't really know when they're going to be ovulating, you know, that kind of stuff. So if, unless they really know the likelihood of knowing that you're pregnant by before the sixth week is very, very unlikely. So let's say I get pregnant on that last day of ovulation. My next mess miss period wouldn't be until six or seven weeks. Mm. Do you see what I mean? Oh, but and, according to that law though. So like if, if they believe that the, baby or embryo or whatever you call it, you know, is a human. Why is it not one at five weeks? But six weeks only. When, when does it become it according to them? Because the first heartbeat isn't recognized until six to seven weeks. Oh, so it's the heartbeat. Mm. It's the heartbeat. I, it, I, it, it's I, the heart. It's the heartbeat that they're the heartbeat that determines. so so and you can't hear the heartbeat but you can see it. So like on an ultrasound, you can see this little black thing just going really, really, really fast. That's the heart. And so, but again, most women do not know they're pregnant until about the eighth week because now they're going into their second missed period. Mm. Right. Right. So basically so if you have it, sex and the condom breaks, just go down and get sucked out. Right. <laughs> that's why they have plan B now. So now they, you know, if there's any like, oops kind of thing yeah. they can go to actually just a cbs or walgreens or whatever you can buy them over the counter now um you know where they it's the morning after pill right um and so that's so now we're just gonna have a bunch of people taking that morning after yeah. pill just right in case, yeah. right but, but just the thing is case. am i gonna go in at, <laughs> at you know four weeks and say can you check if i'm pregnant because if i am just you know, get rid yeah. of it. Like, you know, you're not going to do that. You don't know. We don't you know. Uh, and then as we get older, you know how quickly weeks go and you may not be keeping track and, you know, that kind of stuff. And so you really don't know until you're eight weeks or more. Right. Well, people just need to start going down there at five weeks, five weeks. They just need to start going down there every five weeks. Just going to go into the clinic. So you there you go. Be a long line. Just to go <laughs> You know, and also it determines your HCG levels, which is your pregnancy hormone, you know, and, and so you have to go in and check to see at five weeks, you may not, it may not detect that you're pregnant yet, wow. you know, because your HCG levels are low. So you have to understand the, the science behind how our bodies work on the pregnancy aspect of it and, and when we can get pregnant and knowing all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, so, so again, that's just something else that you, that you need to consider. And just so you know, 88% of abortions are done within the first trimester. Mm -hmm. Most of them are caught at about eight weeks. So a six week deadline is, is just not realistic either. Right. You know, 
Um, and then there's only 2% of pregnancies that have to happen after 21 weeks. And, and a lot of that, that percentage comes from, you know, the, the, the fetus is not viable and, you know, that kind of stuff. Now at 21 weeks, you can actually see the form of, of in, in an ultrasound, you can actually see the form of, um, of your baby. You can actually determine the sex and, and that kind of stuff. And after 21 weeks, the likelihood of it living outside of your body is a little bit higher, obviously, than the first trimester. That's what I was going to ask. It's still know. not. Um, I think right now, if I remember the last premature, the old, the, the longest premature um, baby that was able to live outside of the womb was about 26 weeks, 25, 26 mm. weeks. And even then it's, you know, of course, has a long history of, you know, um, being in a NICU and, and trying to you know, basically you're, you're growing it in a, in an incubator if it is mm. born that early, because it, it's so little it actually could fit in the palm of your hand. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So, I mean, there, there is possibilities of, you know, um, of being able to, um, have a baby be viable at like, a t- I think, like, I think it said it's 25 weeks. Um, but it doesn't, it may not live very long or if it does, you know, then it, then it can be a viable, um, you know, human being. But if a person makes a decision after five weeks of pregnancy to have an abortion, that's even harder than the having the decision at, at the first trimester. Um, oh. Because now a lot of times you've already felt the, the baby move and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But again, it is a choice that they have to make because of whatever the reason it is. And again, not my choice to de- decide if that's the right or wrong reason, whether I would do it is a different story than, you know, like down the street would do it. Right. You know? Right. Um, and, and, and some people say like, well, I got an abortion later, later into the pregnancy because they had a test done and the baby was, you know, missing chromosomes or was going to be, you know, mentally retarded or down syndrome. And so, and that, that is, that's a huge load to take on with a child, um, you know, and some people decide to have their baby regardless of what the amniocentesis says. Um, and some people just that, that is too overwhelming for them, you know? And, and so they have that choice. They have that choice because again, they're the ones who are raising that child, you know, for the rest of their lives. And, and when they're, when they're down syndrome or whatever, it's not just until they're 18, 19 years old and they leave the house. I mean, that's, that's a whole entire life commitment. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's interesting to me is the, you know, like the way Texas did, you know, is, you know, you got Roe versus Wade and, you know, so federally abortions are legal. You can, you can get it. Now I will say this and I don't know, I'd have to do a little research on this, but what Texas did might be actually closer to what actually should be allowed with the exception of one thing. Right. So the constitution, when you go back to it says that, you know, things that are not, um, you know, regulated by the federal government, because technically, again, that goes back to there's really nothing in the Constitution, I don't think that says that, you know, there can necessarily be laws for abortion either. I don't know. You know, I mean, we talked about mm-hmm. that with drugs, but it's up to the state and the people. Right. So technically, there should be a vote, actually, that should happen in Texas for something like that. <clears throat> and because there wasn't, obviously, they're trying to figure out a way to manipulate it to um, so it's not the, again, it's not the government that's overseeing it. Now you can sue. So it can, anybody that you know of, that, you know, the person don't know the person heard about it. You can sue the company 
or the doctor that did the abortion. I don't know what kind of country this is. You know, I was thinking about this. I was like going, damn, you know, in California, like we should pass laws like that, that, you know, like if I see somebody speeding, I could sue them, you know, yeah. if I see somebody yeah. doing something, you know, we should just start passing laws like that. You know, we could yeah. sue, sue anybody for <laughs> breaking a law or doing something that's not right. You know, <laughs> <laughs> something so, you deem is not right. Yeah, exactly. Somebody driving in the carpool lane with all, with only, you know, by themselves, you know, I should be able right. to sue that person. <laughs> right. Right. Pass a law against them. So I guess I I just looked it up. I guess in the Guinness Book of World Record in 2020, somebody gave birth to a 21 week old preemie and and was and and did survive. Um, Wow. It was uh, 21 weeks, five days. So almost 22 weeks. It's 128 days premature. Um, Now, what that means is that that babies had to sit in an incubator until they were about 28 weeks pregnant, you know, until they were 28 weeks full term, you know, depending on their health and stuff like that. So I was able to survive. And this was in Canada. Um, Uh, So it it is likely that a child can live, you know, after, after 21 weeks. So if somebody were to get an abortion at that point, it would be for, you know, I'm sure would be for, for health reasons, you know, but um, because like I said, at 20 weeks, you can feel the baby move. You can, you can, um, you know, and, and women get very attached to that. Um, I know that when I decided oh, to not have any more children um, and I had my tubes tied and stuff like that, the one thing I thought about was I will never be pregnant again. Like I will never have that feeling, that sensation of that child growing inside me and the moving and the kicking and the feet stuck into my ribs and, you know, that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's a little, and that was even a hard decision because wow. even that not having any more kids, like, are you going to tell me now because you know, now woman after having three kids can't decide to not have any more, you know, like, are you going to take that right away from people too? Because wow. we, that's what we're here for is just be barefoot and pregnant. Cause that's so 1920s. <laughs> so from ever ago, you know, was it barefoot um, and the kid, uh, was it? barefoot and pregnant, barefoot and pregnant. Yeah. And pregnant is, and then, and, and then even more powerful for the Hispanic culture. I know for me, you know, um, you know, Hispanic women weren't supposed to have a brain. We weren't, you know, we're just to be home, service our men and take care of our children. Um, That's why I married a Hispanic. (laughs) (laughs) And by the way, you're still spoiled rotten and I have a brain. So, um, so, you know, that's one of the things that I was, uh, you know, I was talking about is, you know, we are, we are living in a world right now that we are trying to be more inclusive to all you know, races, creeds, all that kind of stuff being more acceptable. As you can probably see, my name has my pronouns next to it because I'm trying to show that I'm, um, you know, more inclusive. I'm trying to understand people's pronouns. I'm trying to understand where they're coming from. Thank um, you for that. And very welcome. I mean, I, that's the world that we want to live in. We want to be more inclusive. So when you're, when you have people who is just judging you and throwing you down and don't even know your life, how is that inclusive? How is that, you know, how, how are you ever going to, um, I think, how are you ever going to be accepted if you can't accept somebody? That's the absolute truth. And that's what do you judge? Truth. I mean, that's the whole premise that's of it. It's truth. like, you know, like I will say again, and we've talked about this before, and I know, I know, Lona, you're, you're kind of sitting on the same thing. Like, I don't understand quite the they's and the them's. Yeah, I'm working on it. <laughs> well, you know what's funny? It's uh, the, the trans community that I know 
have a hard time with that too. Yeah. yeah. To them too. Well, my In son fact, too. We do have, we do have a non-binary person that works for our organization. And when I speak about them, it's very difficult. So I will say she, or I will <laughs> yeah. say she, and then I have to, I have to correct myself because they do the they, them. And mm-hmm. so it is a little bit, it's difficult. It's new, yeah. Right. It's new. So yeah. it's even new to the transgender community. Well, it's oh, hard yeah. to, so, it's hard to put it into about. a sentence. Right. I mean, you know, is, so I was talking to they really the other mindful. day. <laughs> you know, like I'm talking to they. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely yeah. is something you have to be really mindful about. But yeah. my thing is, I think just because I know my God, I have a, you know, personal relationship with God. And, um, you know, when I thought I was really, really lost almost five years ago, was it four years ago now? Um, I, he really showed himself to me. And so I was able to really open my heart even more, but I think God wants to see us accept each other more than he cares about us giving abortions. Yeah. 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 Without a doubt. And, and, the, and the fact of the matter is, if, a, if abortion is truly a sin, then that's my sin to bear. Right. Not, not the person protesting. Yes. Absolutely. You Absolutely. Know, um, I will be the one who goes up to him on judgment day and have to have to account for all my sins. Sure. Correct. And so not the protesters, not the, you know, so if we're really going to bring God into this, really got to talk about what, cho- what gift God really gave us was the gift of choice. And really, who's the one who's going to um, have to tell God about this? Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, you, and again, if you know, Beautiful. with that belief, you sent you sent your kid right to heaven. I did, Beautiful. and I'll see him, and I'll see him I mean, or her there. You I mean, know, when how, I get there. How if if, and, you, if and, you make if you make it through, but if I if I make it through, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. Marrying you probably brought me down a few. I was going to say. <laughs> you got a little more work to do now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working a little harder. I'm working, you know, working a little harder every day to like keep trying to make it to those gates. Yeah. But you know, it's to me, I'm happier accepting those, regardless of what choices they've made, regardless of what you know. Um, if they don't see things the way that I do, I feel happier accepting them for the way they are than me trying to put my judgment on them because I know there's people out there, um, you know, not going to, even in my own family that do nothing but pass judgment and they're miserable people. Absolutely. Very unhappy people. I think it goes back to that premise of, you know, even in our good friend, Greg Laurie, I think I got the name right, had (laughs) mentioned that, that we are made in God's image. The problem is that I think the majority of human beings have made God into their image. Mm-hmm. And it's yes. all completely confused yeah. because God is not standing as a male or a female. God is all, all things we see, all humans we are. And, you know, and, and that's how I believe that we make sense of it in a human mind by, by creating the image staff, gray hair, the beard, kind of the Gandalf image. And it's not necessarily that. And I think that anytime something within humanity and even the earth, all creation, anytime something like that keeps showing itself more and more and more, the gender fluidity, the, you know, women being human and wanting to be seen and have their choices and to be heard as well. The more we see it, the more of a lesson it is. And I, I see God more in what's being presented to me more. What do I, how do I connect? 
And when I connect, I connect in love. Mm-hmm. And something's hard for me, never was promised it was all going to be easy. If something's hard for me, if I move with it in love, then I know I'm moving in the right way. And if right. we just talk about what feels when we talk about energy, what feels more in alignment with, with someone, judgment or acceptance and love? Yeah. I mean, right. even the words make you feel different within. In absolutely. Yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, and so, I, you know, I just think it's, it's, it's beautiful. much more, I think I was telling, uh, um, I was telling somebody, I don't remember who that, you know, I've gotten to the point cause I work from home now, you know, we're doing all this work in our house and, you know, I, I just, I'm just more comfortable at home because I feel when I go out to the, you know, grocery store or wherever I'm going, there's just such a negative energy everywhere you go. And I know everywhere. a lot of it has to do with this vaccine and the COVID and all that kind of stuff. I'm actually not afraid of COVID. I'm more afraid of the people and That's, their reactions. I mean yeah. 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 The craziness. Yeah. I feel the same the, way. The craziness yeah. I may face when I'm out there and, And so, you know, I'm a true empath. I've always have been. I've actually worked really hard not to take on other people's, you know, sorrow and sympathy and all that kind of stuff. But I still feel that negative energy and I still feel like I'm not comfortable outside my home because because of that, because it's just gotten to the point where it's like there's so much judgment out there and there's so much, you know, just ugliness that I just. You know, it, even though I personally haven't faced it, like I haven't had anybody come up to me and, 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 you know, ask me if I'm vaccinated and, you know, or why am I wearing my mask or have any, you know, big, big situations like that happen to me, think, thankfully. Um, but just from hearing it, looking at it, watching it on the news and, and hearing other people's stories, you're just like, wow, that is just so ugly. Like it's yeah. just, it hurts to hear the ugliness, you know, and, um, and so it's like, and there's just, they, they, they keep finding things like first it was, you know, homosexuals. And then it was, you know, now it's abortion and, you know, women's rights. And there's just so much, and there's so much controversy that it's like, I don't want yep. to be even a part of that. Mm-mm. You know, I just no. want to, I just want to be, I just want to show my love, show my beauty out there mm-hmm. and really kind of, you know, um, keep, re- keep reflecting the beauty that God has given us and, and so try to put, push that more than anything. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. I really feel that God, I mean, yes, I'm sure God has an opinion on abortion and we'll, we will face that when we get, to, you know, when, when we go up to meet him. I got a lot um, of questions for him. Yeah, we got a lot of questions, but I really <laughs> don't be behind Eric in the line. Don't be behind okay. Eric. Okay, you know, I'll take the other line, right? Yeah. I'll take the shorter. I'll take the shorter line. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, may go the, I may go the wrong line. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> but the, the thing is, like, I really think that God is seeing that there's people like us who really just want to tell the world, like, there, there's, there's more than just this, this ugly chaos that's going on. Like there's oh, yeah. just more out there and, and appreciates that more because we're trying to love is such a better feeling to have. I mean, you know, it is. there's not a lot yeah. of stress behind it. There's no. not, you know, there's not, I, mean, I look at like all the hatred and the anger and it's like, God, there's like, there's so much anxiety and like, yeah. I mean, why do you want to live that way? <laughs> I know. You know? I know. Right. And, then, and I know we've talked <laughs> about that. Like, you know, there's so much more energy that, like you, you, you're wasting so much more energy by being angry. It's yeah. just be like, it's really interesting though. Um, you know, this, this abortion, this abortion topic is, um, you know, 
we're, we're trying, I know Planned Parenthood's working, at least they feel that I'm working with is really trying to, you know, um, break the stigma of abortion and, and all that. And, and this, and this thing with Texas just doesn't help our cause very well, you know, um, because you're not a bad person. If you get an abortion, you're not a bad Absolutely. person. If you decide not to get an abortion, Absolutely. whatever your decisions are, doesn't make you a bad person. Yeah. Um, you know, Eric says it all the time. Um, you are not your decisions. You know, you are not your, you are not your actions. That's so so just follow what's true in your heart and what's best for you and like all the other noise behind you know, and this, this again, takes on a whole other topic we should visit at some point. When we talk about God, we have to remember we're not talking about a person as if we're talking about you or I. I mean, we are the expression of God in, in form, just like every flower we see, just like every tree we see, every wind we feel. I mean, all of that is God an expression. That would mean for us, the Tao says, the Tao that can be named is not even the Tao at all. So the God that can be named and boxed in is, is so small of mm-hmm. what God truly is. What truly is. Yeah. And I think for the protesters, that's what it is. You've got this, this God boxed into only what you can understand. And it's super hard to, to understand it in any other way. And, you know, I think that's the sad truth of our world. You know, what people need to do is that if, if they're going in for an abortion and there's a protest outside, they should just walk up to any of them. And just say, OK, I'm going to have the kid and it's going to be yours. There you go. There you go. That's the plan. That's the plan. Yeah. That's all the right. Plan. <laughs> we are actually out of now, time here. What does it say? Wait, one last thing. Yeah. The Bible says John four. I think it's I think it's John four. Um, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So if you remember greater than he is in with that within me than he that is in the world. So that little box that you're talking about is the one in the world. Small. That's so true. Mm. You know? That is Absolutely. so true. Yep. So, so true. Okay. This has been awesome. When awesome. you make your decision. Yes. And so we are actually out of time here. Um, we've got a long time, uh, <laughs> but, uh, it's one of those topics that will take a while. To yeah, absolutely. This was absolutely. a great, this was a great show, great topic. Yes. And, uh, I'm sure yes. we'll get into this topic at a future time too, as this, uh, I hope so. you know, as we keep seeing all the chaos and, and try, you know, the controversy that we yeah. love, right. Yes. We love controversy. That's right. Let's and, walk a mile. Yeah. And so I want to thank everybody for walking a mile with us today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Amazing pleasure. I've learned so much. I haven't gotten chill bumps in one of our interviews until your interview here. So nice. Nice. And it would be really awkward to have a talk about abortion without a woman's aspect in it. Right. I don't think that it would get very much play. (laughs) Correct. I mean, and that's the funny thing to me, you know, all the men out there that freaking, you know, trying to make the rules and all this kind of stuff, Absolutely, you know, um, like they have any fucking idea what they're talking about. It's easy about. for them to make a choice, you know? right? It's easy yeah. for men to make a choice. <laughs> but uh, All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for doing this. That's and right. uh, yeah. um, you got anything, Lona? Yeah, you guys. Oh, thank you so much. Make sure that you check out um, Eric and Marilla's other show called um what were you thinking la talk radio and high wall clean podcast um make sure that you click those buttons you can't go wrong with any of the buttons down there the like the share the subscribe all of that stuff and we thank you for being a part of this and helping us grow this new platform and uh, we want to hear from you if you have any topic ideas if you have an argument that you think is viable 
not racist or harmful, but that you think is viable, we're completely open to listen and we would like to walk a mile in your shoes. So make sure that you leave a comment or get in touch with one of us. I'm sure that stuff is in the description. And um, thank you again, Marilla, Eric, always a pleasure. Yes. Always thank a pleasure. You. And I want to throw real quick out too. I would love to have a they or a them uh, yes. contact us because we are yes. really trying to understand. I don't really understand, but I would love to have a guest on that could Absolutely. explain it and teach it so I can walk a mile in your shoes. For sure. And yep. we will see you all soon. Thanks again. Thank you.